0: family is a christian family and they think they're a christian by by the process of osmosis and so in this concept what god is wanting to say or what many people have said today is they're differentiating and saying i'm not just a christian but i am a born again christian i have surrendered my life and i have given it all to jesus christ another phrase that we've changed is a jew and a messianic jew what is the difference? A Jew is people who are of that nationality. It's, it's that ethnic group. Most of them uh, are, were, are in Judaism. And, and now there's a term called a Messianic Jew. Because there's still a Jew. When when they came to Christ, it did not change their genealogy. It did not change their ethnicity. But they're differentiating and saying, because if you say I'm a Jew, most people think, okay, then you're a Jewish. They're saying, no, I'm a Messianic Jew. I'm a, I have surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. Kind of the concept of marriage. And so the deal was marriage versus same-sex marriage. So you're wanting to convey a whole different meaning. Now, an interesting dynamic is... That anytime time you have to add another word to the original word, you're changing the meaning of it. And so that's kind of where we are. And so the church has been silent for a long time. Um, a couple of weeks ago, when we had our panel. Brandon made a very good uh, uh, a statement when he talked about the issue of same-sex marriage and how the church is leading from behind. Many of us, uh, you may have grown upset when President Obama said, we're going to lead from behind. And you're thinking, what kind of leadership is that? Well, the church has been leading from behind on this issue for so long. And it's been leading from behind because we've not been been teaching anything about it. We've, We've been silent on it. The church has grown silent over this issue. The church has grown silent over most of the things I've been preaching to you over the last month. They're not going to preach on the issue of divorce. They're not going to preach you preach to you on the issue of homosexuality, over the issue of polygamy. I mean, I mean, because, but just because the the church is silent, it doesn't mean the world is silent. And so if the church is not leading, then the world is leading and the church is following the world. And it's about time that the church of a living God rise up and assume the position of authority that God has placed them in. So what is the Bible saying? Well, the Bible is saying a lot about the issue of same-sex marriage. Matter of fact, today, it is as hard, it is as hard for a christian for a pastor for a preacher to preach on homosexuality as it was for a homosexual to come out of the closet 20 years ago 20 years ago it was it was a stigma that was placed upon them and the term coming out of the closet was coined because they lived in fear of what their family would do to them what their peers would do to them and how people would reject them and so All of a sudden, about 20 years ago, they started coming out, and that was the phrase, they were coming out. Now, here's the problem. While they were coming out, the church was going in. And what was happening is, because we didn't know what to do with it, because preachers were so scared of losing people, losing money, losing parishioners, and the reality of it is, this thing, people are affected by it. Almost every home is affected by divorce. Almost every home is affected by cancer, and almost every home knows somebody who they may not be living a homosexual lifestyle, but they are struggling with this issue, and the church is remaining silent. So what does the Bible say? Well, the sanctity of marriage is laid out in Genesis. And for 6,000 years ago, we've had the sanctity of marriage. And so what we're we're talking about is, I want you to understand, and this is where this whole thing started on Father's Day, is that the issue of the Supreme Court ruling over same-sex marriage did not destroy the sanctity of marriage. The sanctity of marriage has been under siege for thousands of years. And I'm going to tell you today that the people who are struggling with the issue of homosexuality have not destroyed the sanctity of marriage. It's people who are heterosexuals have trampled under their feet the sanctity of marriage. And what's happening with an unprecedented spiraling out of control in lifestyles. So what is God saying? Well, the first mention of the Bible in the Bible about homosexuality was in Genesis 19. And it was the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was that God loved Abraham so much that he went to him and he said, man, there's some bad stuff happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And matter of fact, that's where we get our term sodomite from, is from Sodom and Gomorrah. So this is the first account of it. And we go all the way back there, and God loved Abraham so much, he went to him and told him what he was about to do. And Abraham began to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah. The church, Abraham would be a picture of the church standing on top of the mountain and would be looking down over Sodom and Gomorrah, and there was interceding for it. Now, the problem with the church is we've been so turned off, we've been so frustrated that we've lost our brokenness for sinners and we're not interceding for them. We're developing anger. We're developing resentment. We're developing a, 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 a spirit of I can't believe this is happening and we're not interceding like we need to be interceding. And as a result, you know, there was this bargaining and Abraham said, oh, Lord, if it would be 50, would you spare it? And he went all the way down to just a few. And so God loved Abraham so much that he personally sent two angels to Lot's door to knock on it and rescue Lot's family out of Sodom. Are you with me? You remember that story? And and, uh, it says the men of that city uh, wanted to sleep with those angels. And so in this whole dynamic, that was the first account of it. Now, the Bible says a lot about it. And leviticus 18 it just lays it out clear cut it just says that a man should not lie with a man a woman should not lie with a woman it's it's a sin it's a sin it's abomination romans chapter one talks about it and it talks about how men begin to trade their natural desire for for women for men and vice versa and they begin to burn with lust for one another the bible is is not silent on the issue. Go back for just a moment. That's why we now have the Queen James Version. Because the Bible was not silent on it, therefore we had to create a new law. A new law, which was a new Bible that allowed us to navigate around what was settled law and, and, and to address how we feel. So the bible says a lot about it and it's a picture of what god is trying to do in our life Now we must remember as we approach this subject that we have to approach it on the authority of the word of god The god's word is either the settled authority or it's not it's not it's not, it's not, it's not. And so when we look at this, God's Word says a lot about it. But what is it saying to you personally? You remember that we're going through this sermon series. We're looking at three questions. What is the Bible saying on the subject? What is the Bible saying to me on the subject? And then what does God want me to do about it? So as we look at this, here's what the Bible is saying. Turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Now, this is an interesting passage of Scripture. Matter of fact, it uh, it starts out not dealing with the subject of homosexuality, but actually brothers in Christ suing one another. So the Bible has a lot to say about a lot. And in this passage of Scripture, it talks about that. But in verse 9, it picks up and it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Look at this, verse 11. Underline this in your Bible. Highlight it on your smart device. And such were some of you before you were clean, but you were now sanctified and you are also justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit, by the work of the Holy Spirit. Now that's what the Bible's saying. What is the Bible saying? Well, the Bible's saying a whole lot right there, not just homosexuals, but look at what it lays it out. I go back to that previous verse. when it lays it out, look at what it starts out with. I mean, when he begins to show this, it's so interesting in this dynamic because he says fornicators. He doesn't jump just straight to the adulterers. He's talking about people who've never been married and have sex like crazy. Now, the issue is that the church wants to grow angry and resentful over the issue of homosexuality, but we have given in to the issue of fornication a long time ago. I talked to a, a, someone not long ago about a certain denomination, and they told me two-thirds of a mainstream denomination, two-thirds of, a, of the church of a mainstream denomination were openly homosexuals. And we look at that and we say, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. That's crazy. What in the world's happened? Well, I'm telling you today that the church of a living God, the evangelical church, the blood-bought church, the word-preaching church, the full gospel churches, the Pentecostal churches, the Baptist churches, for a long time have caved in over the issue of fornication and have quit addressing it, have caved in over the issue of adultery, and we no longer have the same burden. You see, the problem is that we have resentment and we don't have brokenness, and what God is asking for us at family of grace is to be broken 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 what is the bible saying the bible is saying here that fornication is an issue it separates you from god idolatry separates you from god anything you put between you and god is an idol it's a demigod matter of fact it's in the first five you shall have no other gods before me In the Ten Commandments. It didn't say anything about homosexuality in the Ten Commandments. But right here he says idolatry. And you see, where is our passion? Where, you know, the problem is that we like to point out on, we like to pick sins. And we like to beat the drumbeat. And if people even mention anything about them, all of a sudden people begin to walk away from people who are struggling. Look at this; it lays it out: ten fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, people who covet. Now I know our way to get around coveting, Lord. I, Lord, I, Lord, I'm not coveting my neighbor's bass boat. I wish he had one better, and I had his old boat. And so you say, Lord, I'm not coveting because I'm wishing you would bless him with a better one. Uh, I'll move on because you don't like that. (laughs) Extortioners. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen, Pastor. So what is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying this. That right does not come automatically. (laughs) You've got to choose to do right. Right does not happen automatically. You're not born walking in holiness. You're born walking in a pathway of destruction and wickedness. Now, what is the Bible saying about it? The Bible is saying that it's an issue that has to be dealt with. The Bible is saying there's a remedy. Remedy, and such were some of you before you were sanctified which means you were set aside for the purpose that god created you for but before there can ever be a sanctification and fulfilling of your gifts and callings in this ministry there's got to be the justification which is where you take the propitiation for our sins and apply the payment of calvary to our life that we become right with god and only when we are right with god through the payment of the sins penalty and accepting the finished work of calvary which is the death it is the burial and it is the resurrection only upon that moment can we then begin to pick up sanctification through the working of the Holy Spirit all right here we go you ready for the last thing not only is what is the Bible saying about it what does the Bible say about it not only is what is it saying to me about it what does he want me to do about it Well, I'm glad you asked that question because the Word of God normally always answers these things for us in an expository manner. It just lays it out. Here's the issue. Here's the issue that we have a sin problem. Here's the answer that I've provided the way and then here's what I want you to do about it. So we left off on this. What does he want us to do? He wants us to come to him He wants us to come to him and give us give him our heart in our life Listen, you cannot break free from the claw of fornication from the claw of adultery from the claw of idolatry from the claw of homosexuality Only you can be set free through the miracle working power of the cross He wants us to come to him and take our brokenness take our sin and say lord jesus i can't fix this lord jesus i'm broken lord jesus i'm damned lord jesus i'm doomed but lord i accept what you did for me god it's not that i first loved you but that you first loved me lord you saw me when i was a fornicator yet you loved me you saw me when i was struggling with homosexuality yet you loved me you see the difference between the church and christ over the issue of homosexuality is christ loves the person struggling with homosexuality and the church doesn't amen preacher preach it on we're resentful we're arrogant we're prideful and we're not broken and God god must break the heart of the church god must break the heart of the church god must break the heart of the church go back to the list let me show you this illustration Tally marks. How many of you remember tally marks back in the day when you were in school? All right. What did a tally mark point out? An accomplishment. It meant you had done something. They made a mark. And so when we look here at this screen, what you're looking at is something pretty unique. Matter of fact, I mean, you're looking at 10 tally marks. Each tally mark represents one of the things that the Word of God addressed. Fornication, adultery, covetousness, idolatry, homosexuality. all that. There's ten things in that verse I just read. Each one of those represents one of the sins that I just mentioned. Now, looking at that screen right there, can you pick out which tally mark represents homosexuality? Can you? You can't. Because when God looks down from heaven... When he looks across the sins of humanity... There is no distinction. You remember last week? It says there was no distinction in the Jew and the Greek, the slave and the free, uh, the the barbarian, and the synthon. There's no distinction. There's no distinction. There's no distinction in ethnicity. There's no distinction in man by who by by the by the genealogy that God placed him in, by the family heritage that God placed him in. And I'm telling you today that when he went to the cross, he went to the cross, and there was no distinction for the sin. It takes the same amount of blood to redeem a person who is struggling with the issue of homosexuality as it does the person who is struggling with the sin of omission. And that says in the book of James, "For the man who knows to do right and don't do it, it's sin." What is the Bible saying to me? The Bible is saying to us, guys, to the church, there's no difference. There's no difference. Who makes the difference? Who makes the difference? Man makes the difference. We're like the two men at the wall. One of them stood off at a distance in the book of Luke, put his head down, and he said, Oh, Lord, God, I'm such a sinner. I'm not even worthy to approach the wailing wall. The other man stood at the wall and beat his... uh, That guy was beating his chest. The other guy stood at the wall in all of his pride and prominence, and he said, Oh, God, I'm so thankful I'm not like that sinner. Oh, God, I'm so thankful I'm not like him. Lord, I fast, I tithe. I do all these things, except weep or the lost, weep or the brokenness of humanity. So what is God saying to us? What does He want us to do? Well, let me read it for you. It's laid out right here. Such were some of you before you were sanctified and justified. Now look at what it says in verse 12. "Now, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach, and stomach for the foods. That's those people who eat to live, and then those who live to eat. Amen. So when you think about this, it's, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but it's for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Wow. We don't live, we don't, uh, the body is to live for Christ, and God who Both raised up the Lord will also raise us up by the power. What is the Bible saying to us that he wants us to do about it? Is cast ourselves on the mercy of the cross of Jesus Christ. Cast ourselves on the mercy of the empty tomb. And say, Lord Jesus, you said in your word. You remember I talked to you about putting your finger on a scripture. If you're struggling with a sin that you can't break free from. This is the scripture to pull your long finger out and place it right there on verse 14 and say, Lord God, you said the same power that raised Jesus from the dead would work in my heart, in my life, and deliver me from the bondage of my lifestyle. And I want you to know something today. It's high time that the church preaches about the cross, about the resurrection, about the power of the resurrection that effectively works in us for the deliverance of the sinner to become a saint, that we might be made right in the sight of God. What does the Bible want us to do about it? He wants us to throw ourselves on the power of the resurrection. What does the Bible want us to do about it? He goes on and he talks about that we would not give the member of our body to a harlot. But here's what it says in verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee therefore from sexual immorality. It didn't just say flee from homosexuality. It said flee from everything that's sexually immoral. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But the one who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know? Here it is. That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. And whom you have from God. And you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Verse 20. Therefore glorify God. In your body and your spirit. What does God want us to do? God wants us to glorify him by living in obedience to his word. What is the Bible saying to us? He wants us to glorify God by living in obedience to His Word. God wants us to get to the point of being sympathetic towards the sinner, to being burdened for the sinner, to truly loving the sinner. You might you don't have to love the sin. And listen, we live in a, we live in a society today. I'm telling you, I, I'm the odd man out. I mean, listen, people don't want to hear any preaching about this. I don't know a person in the world right now who is diagnosed with a tumor would say, I just want to find somebody who will just tell me what I want to hear. Somebody who will just make me feel good till I die no 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 no. you say I don't care if I got to go to Shreveport I don't care if I got to go to MD Anderson I don't care how far I have to drive there's no space it's too far to get to somebody who will tell me the truth well I'm telling you today that we've arrived at this station in life and the truth is that the church has messed this thing up the church has stuck its head in the sand for far too long and that we've just been hunkered down saying Lord let the storm pass by Lord maybe Congress will take care of it oh good gracious Congress fail maybe the president will fix it oh my goodness the president made a mess of it oh my goodness the last hope is a supreme court oh my goodness the supreme court's made a mess of it we're all lost can i tell you that homosexuality was an issue all the way back in genesis it didn't just start 20 years ago And the cross was sufficient. Jesus was making the way for Genesis. Who was interceding? Abraham was. A picture of the church standing on the mountain saying, Oh God, be merciful upon Sodom. Oh God, be merciful upon Sodom. The problem for the church today is that we are viewed as hypocrites. And the world has no respect for the church because we have no compassion for the sinner. That we act like we don't even sin. What does God want us to do? He wants us to glorify Him. He wants us to understand that there is no distinction. What is He saying to us to do about in this scripture? He's telling us, guys, there's no distinction. There's no distinction in the sins of a sinner. Understand the power of homosexuality. And the power of sexual immorality. That's what he's saying right here. He's saying understand the power of it. When you, when you get involved in sexual things and you have these new sexual experiments and experiences, you create these new synaptic pathways, and all of a sudden those synapses in your life is literally like a claw that's in your brain, and it reaches in there, and it holds on to you, and you cannot get free from it. You cannot get free from it until the power of the cross works in your life. i tell you what God's telling the church. Rise up and understand something. That a person who is struggling with sexual immorality of any kind needs to be fasted for, needs to be prayed for, needs to be loved, needs to be brought into the place where they can hear from God and not be rejected on the basis of their lifestyle. As we look at this, the other thing he's telling us he wants us to do about it is he wants us to understand the power of, that the power of sexual immorality is not greater than the power that raised Christ from the grave. The grave. And that power works within us. Verse 14, he raises us up, us up by his power. Understand that we are to glorify God in our body and our spirit. And you can't do that if you're living a life of sexual immorality. Understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You'd get fighting mad if you drove past here and somebody was desecrating this building. This building, you would stop them. I mean, if you drove by here and you saw somebody spray painting the front of the building, you'd stop. You'd say, "What in the world are you doing, man? That's my church." At least you'd call the police and get them on the scene. We get angry when people destroy something that physically represents a building where God's people meet. But we don't get angry. We're not broken. We're not burdened when people desecrate the temple that God, the Holy Spirit, lives in. What is the Bible saying to us? He wants us to glorify Him. How do you most glorify God when you're loving sinners to become a saint? Let me tell you something today. We love you enough. We love everybody enough to accept them as they are. But we love them too much to leave them there. We love them enough. We love them enough to tell them the message of the cross. Now, what is the Bible saying? The Bible says a lot about homosexuality and there's a lot to discuss and I'd be more than glad to dive in to the nuts and bolts of that. We can dive into every scripture dealing with it. We can deal with that in a one-on-one setting. But what is the Bible saying? Pull back up the tally marks. The Bible is saying there is no distinction in a person struggling with the issue of homosexuality and a person struggling with any other addiction. That's what the Bible saying. And the Bible's telling the church to quit living like it is. If God doesn't judge them differently, then why should his church? You want to talk about prejudice? Boy, there's some prejudice. There's some prejudice. And I'll tell you what God's looking for is a church that will rise up and love people enough to get them to Jesus. Love them enough. Love them enough. Love them. What is the Bible saying about it? The Bible's saying God rejects it. The Bible's saying God doesn't like it. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, I don't have time to go there, but it says there are seven things that God hates. Do you know that homosexuality is not in those seven things? That, I mean, God lists in the book of Proverbs seven things, but what is is one who sows discard among the brethren. So those people like to gossip around the body and stir up strife and contention. He's saying, I hate that. Wow, I'm just saying. I mean, I didn't write the book. I just preach it. There is no distinction. There is no distinction. So, your child that you permit, teenager, that you say you take them and get their birth control and you give them all their safe sex spill say, it's okay. If you, have just, if you can't control yourself, go have sex, do it. All, let me tell you something. There's no difference in God's eyes in fornication, adultery, and homosexuality. We're all broken in need of a Savior.